0: Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen was wassalam ala abdillahi wa rasoolih nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een amma ba'd So first of all it really is a blessing and a blessing for which we have to thank Allah Azza wa Jal that he gathered us here tonight in this masjid from the masajid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this reminds me of the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the hadith of Abi Hurayrata radiyallahu an, that he said Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Majtama'a qawmun fi baytin min buyutillah yatloona kitab Allah wa yatadarasoonahu baynahum إِلَّا نَزَلَتْ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّكِينَةِ وَغَشِيَتْهُمُ الرَّحْمَةِ وَحَفَّتْهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ وَذَكَرَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَنْ عِنْدَهِ The hadith is narrated in Sahih Muslim. No people gathered together in a house from the houses of Allah, reciting the book of Allah and studying it together, except the tranquility descended upon them and that they were encompassed by mercy. And the angels surrounded them. And Allah remembers them with those who are with him. And that is enough of a virtue for coming to the masjid and attending a small reminder. Remember the things the Prophet Sallallahu said, tranquility comes down upon you. Mercy encompasses you. The angels surround you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions you with a group that is better and in the group of the most lofty angels that are with Him. So subhanallah, this is a huge virtue for just coming together in the masjid and reminding each other of some of the ayat of Allah azza wa Jal, and some points of benefit and a gentle reminder because reminders benefit the believers. For those of you who might not know me personally, I'm your brother Abu Abdurrahman, Muhammad Tim, humble. I'm from Newcastle, which is not that far away, but uh, it's been a while since I toured the different cities and the towns going from masjid to masjid, so some people. And they might not have seen me for a while, but I have been to this masjid before, it's not my very first time. But wallah, it's very nice to see a lot of familiar faces and some new faces as well. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to teach us what benefits us, to benefit us with what He teaches us. We ask Allah to increase us in knowledge and we ask Allah to give us the ability to act upon it. Our topic for today or tonight is a really, really beautiful topic. And in some ways, it is one of the most important things that anyone can talk about. And that is our purpose in this life. And the first thing that I want to establish or I want to prove to you from the Quran is that this life has a purpose. And the fact that this life has a purpose is proven by the texts of the Quran and the Sunnah and it's also proven by our inclination, our nature, and our intellect. All of them tell us that this life has a purpose. As for the creation, as for the statement of Allah Azza wa as for the Quran, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said, "أَيْحَسَبُ الْإِنْسَانُ يُتَرَكَ سودا. Does man think that he has been left? aimless, without any purpose. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala said, أَفَحَسِبْتُمْ أَنَّمَا (laughs) خَلَقْنَاكُمْ عَبَثًا وَأَنَّكُمْ إِلَيْنَا لَا تُرْجَعُونَ فَتَعَالَ اللَّهُ الْمَلِكُ الْحَقِّ The ayah. Allah said, do you think that you have been created as a joke? Abathan, for no reason. Yani Allah just created you because He could. and yani For no reason, no purpose. Do you think that Allah created you without a purpose aimlessly? And that you will not be returned to Him? Fata'ala, Allahul Malikul Haqq. High is Allah and exalted is He, the Sovereign, the Truth. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't leave us on this earth without a purpose and a wisdom. And nobody knows that purpose and wisdom better than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we can take this from the statement of Allah عز و جل أَلَا يَعْلَمُ مَنْ خَلَقْ وَهُوَ اللَّطِيفُ الْخَبِيرُ Isn't it the case that the one who created you knows best? He knows best everything. He knows best why you're here and he knows best what you should be using this life for. وَهُوَ الْلَطِيْفُ الْخَبِيرُ And he is Al-Latif, the one that everything he does has a subtle purpose. Sometimes you can see that purpose, and know that purpose as clearly as you can see the sun in the sky. And sometimes that purpose may remain hidden from you, or may remain hidden from some people. And that is why, and Allah knows best, that Allah used his name Al-Latif here. أَلَا يَعْلَمُ مَنْ خَلَقٍ Isn't it the case that the one who created knows best? And he is al-latif The one that not always can you understand the wisdom of everything. Because you don't have the knowledge that Allah Azza has. Nor the power that Allah Azza has. Nor the hearing and the sight that Allah Azza has. There is nothing that is similar or comparable to him, and he is the one who is the all-hearing and the all-seeing. So Allah is a Latif. Sometimes we understand the purpose and reason for something very clearly. Sometimes, some people understand it, and sometimes nobody knows it except Allah wajal. But there's no doubt that Allah wajal in the Qur'an And in the revelation that he gave to the Prophet there is no doubt that Allah explained to us everything we need to know about the reason that we exist on this earth and our purpose in this life. And actually, if we look in the Quran, there are more than one set of ayat where Allah speaks about our purpose in this life. I'm going to mention to you three, and from there we can branch out into our discussion of what I wanted to talk about today. So the very first one that I'm going to mention is in Surat al-Dhariyat, the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, wal Insa illa I only created the jinn and the men to worship me alone. Now this ayah, many of you will have heard it before. I don't think for all of you, I think many of you have heard this ayah before, have heard this ayah being explained before. But actually if you go into the books of tafsir on this ayah, and if we look at the tafsir of Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah ta'ala, or we look at the tafsir before him of Imam al-Mufassirin, the Imam of the scholars of tafsir, Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, then actually we see this ayah It has some points that we have to stop and think about. Allah Azza wa Jal tells us that He created the jinn and the men. Now, jinn and mankind they share a common trait that is necessary to understand this ayah. And that trait is that both of them have been required to implement the sharia. (coughs) Some people like to use this word mukallafun. Even though it's very famous among the scholars of fiqh and usul, they use this word, taklif. I personally don't really like this word. Because it makes it feel like Islam is a burden you have to bear and carry on your shoulders, and it's a hardship, and it's a difficulty. And in reality, Allah has made this religion so easy for us. <speaking in Hebrew> Allah wants things to be easy for you, but He doesn't want things to be difficult for you. So, even though many people use this word, we can use it. We can say that both the jinn and the men are both a creation that are required to implement the laws of Allah. As for the men, the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal. فَأَبَيْنَ أَنْ minha مِنْهَا وَحَمَلَهَا الْإِنْسَانِ إِنَّهُ كَانَ jahula. We offered the responsibility of the Sharia to the heavens and the earth and the mountains, and they declined it, and they were fearful of it, but mankind took it on. Indeed, he is extremely oppressive and extremely ignorant. So this now tells us that mankind is commanded to follow the sharia. That's one thing. As for the jinn, then for example, the statement of Allah Azzawajal, wa مِنَّ الْقَاسِطُونَ رَشَدًا الْقَاسِطُونَ فَكَانُوا لِجَهَنَّمَ حَطَبًا Among us are Muslims and among us are transgressors and wrongdoers. And whoever accepts Islam, it is they who have chosen the right way. And as for those transgressors and disbelievers, it is they who will be firewood for Jahannam. And so this tells us that both men and jinn are required to follow the laws of the Sharia. So this is what brings these two groups together. I did not create jinn nor did I create mankind, Allah tells us. Illa except. There's a kasra on the end. Except that they worship me. So here we have a problem. Or we have something that needs to be explained. And that is that if we look in the world today, it doesn't matter if we look at the world of mankind or even if we look at what is apparent to us from the world of the jinn, we see that the vast majority of people on the face of this earth do not worship Allah, nor do they worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. So in this case, there are two opinions with regard to this ayah. There are more, but I'm just going to summarize it and keep it simple. One is that this ayah, it speaks about إِرَادَةُ It speaks about Allah's decree on this earth. And the other one, it says this speaks about iradatullahi اللَّهِ الشرعية, Allah's legislation and Allah's law. If it is Allah's law, then this is easy. I did not create the jinn and the men, except that they are commanded to worship me. Whether they worship Allah or not, that is going to be the issue of Jannah and Jahannam. Whether they really worship Allah, whether they really dedicate their lives to the worship of Allah, but Allah has legislated it for them. So a group of the scholars, Ibn Kathir, he took this opinion, rahimahullah ta'ala, that this ayah, this ayah is talking about the Sharia. It's saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed and legislated a law that nobody is worshipped but Him, and that is the reason why the jinn and the men were created. Whether they fulfill that or whether they don't fulfill it. Whoever of you wills to believe and gets the consequences of that belief, let him believe. And whoever wills to disbelieve and gets the consequences of that disbelief, let him disbelieve. So here, this, and this is the the most common that you hear, is that this ayah is Allah's sharia. Allah is legislating that your job here on this earth is to worship him alone and not to make any partner with him. However, Ibn Jarir, rahimahullah ta'ala, he makes this point that this is Allah Azza wa decree in terms of his qadr. And his qadr is that nobody will worship anyone except him. And this is another point we have to stop and ask ourselves a question. Because as we know, the qadr of Allah Azza wa Jal is always carried out. The decree of Allah Azza wa is always carried out. Nobody can repel the decree of Allah Azzawajal. So in here, there are two things we can say about this ayah. Either this ayah is speaking about the believers specifically. So here the ayah is specifically speaking about the believers. And there is a qira'ah, shadha, there is a Qira'ah which is not from the famous qira'at of the Qur'an, but it's one that is separate from it. Yani we don't read it in the Salah. The Qira'ah of Ibn Mas'ud, that the ayah contains, I have created among the believing jinn and the believing men that they will worship me alone. Or we can say here, that there are two types of to Allah عز wa There are two types of servitude to Allah. There are two types of being a servant of Allah. There is a willing servant of Allah, and there is an unwilling servant of Allah. Right? Everyone is a servant of Allah on the whole face of the earth, willing or unwilling, whether they recognize that or not. So, all of them have been required to worship Allah alone, whether they recognize it or whether they don't recognize it. Some of them are willing servants of Allah, and others are unwilling servants in the sense they don't recognize it and they don't admit to it. But the willing servants of Allah, the servants of the most merciful who walk upon the earth in humility, they are those who chose. To worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to fulfill their purpose. In any case, all of this tafsir helps us immensely in understanding our purpose. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us in his sharia, he has commanded us that we worship no one but him. You alone we worship and you alone we ask for help. Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala created us to worship him alone that is our command and Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala established the worship of him upon the whole of creation some of them willingly choose to embrace that purpose and others turn away from that purpose it is a universal purpose some of them willingly choose it and others among them turn away from it Whoever willingly chooses it, and embraces it, and dedicates their life to it, they are the believers that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised them paradise. And whoever turns away from this purpose completely and rejects it, that those are the people of the hellfire to be in it forever. And as for those people in terms of the level in the sight of Allah, the closer a person is to implementing this purpose in every part of their life, the higher their rank will be in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The worship of Allah Jal alone. And this is what the Prophets, was wassalam, what they came with. That's what the Prophets came with. That's why when you hear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell you about the Prophets in the Qur'an, Many times the same statement comes. Worship Allah, you don't have any God that deserves to be worshipped except Him. Worship Allah, you don't have any God that deserves to be worshipped except Him. And so in reality, Islam came with what? "Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ anna اللَّهِ It came with worshipping Allah alone, which is the meaning of La ilaha illallah, الله لا بِحَقِّ إِلَّا الله. Nothing truly deserves worship except Allah, and it came with obedience to the Messenger ﷺ. What we call wal ittiba Worshipping Allah alone and following the Messenger. اللَّهَ وَأَطِيعُونَ Worship your lord and obey me. This is what the prophets came with Every single prophet from the first of them to the last of them every messenger that came from the first messenger Nuh until the last one Muhammad They came with the same message Worship Allah and obey the prophet That's the message for which you were created and obedience to the Prophet is the means to worship Allah because there is no way to worship Allah except with the way that you were shown from the prophets and the messengers and in the hadith of Bukhari and Muslim from the hadith of our mother Aisha radiallahu anha, and the wording in Sahih Muslim عملا عملا whoever does an action that's not in accordance with what we have brought it will be rejected so, the only way for you to fulfill this purpose in your life is to fulfill it through following the Messenger. Say, if you really love Allah, then follow me and Allah will love you. The only way to achieve the love of Allah, the only way to achieve proper servitude to Allah to achieve the status of al-ubudiyyah, of a servant, a willing servant of Allah, is by following the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa I now want to talk about another ayah so that we connect it, before we're gonna go on to talk about la ilaha illallah and how to actualize it and implement it in our life, we need to bring in another ayah. And this ayah we need to bring in is the ayah at the end of Surah Al-Talaq in the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal? Allahu <laughs> Ladi Khalaqa Saba'ah Sama'at wa Min Al-Ardi Mithla Hun Yatenazil Al-Amr Bi'na Hun Lita'lamu Anna Allaha 'Ala Kulli Shay'in Qadir wa Anna Allaha Qad Ahaatabi Kulli Shay'in 'Ilma. This is another ayah that talks about the fundamental purpose of a human being. Allah says, it is Allah who created the seven heavens and from the earth the likes of them. His command descends between them. All of this, لِتَعْلَمُ. All of this is so that you may know that Allah is able to do all things and that Allah has encompassed everything with His knowledge. So here Allah tells us, the heavens and the earth and everything that happens in them were created for you to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لِتَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ أَحَاطَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ Allah created the heavens and the earth for you to know him. Everything that happens in this universe is for you to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, the first question a person may have is How do I come to know Allah? And the answer is exactly the same. You can only know Allah through what? Through what Allah said about himself and through what the Messenger Sallallahu said about him. You can't know Allah through your mind, your intellect, your feelings, your dreams. You can only know Allah through qala wa qala Allah said and His Messenger said Sallallahu That's the only way you can know Allah. Because we say about Allah, what Allah said about himself and what the Messenger said about him. And we negate about Allah what he negated about himself, and what the Messenger ﷺ negated about him. So Allah himself said, There is nothing that is comparable to him, there is nothing similar to him, and he is the one that is the all hearing and the all seeing So his hearing is not like our hearing, and his sight is not like our sight, and his knowledge is not like our knowledge, subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is nothing that is equal or comparable to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the only way you can know Allah is what Allah said about himself and what the Messenger وسلم, said about him. And from the greatest of the ayat in which Allah Azza wa Jal Describes himself is ayatul kursi How many ayah, How many Names of Allah, how many attributes of Allah are found within this ayah? How many times does Allah tell us who he is and who he isn't in this ayah? So reflect upon it and realize that this is the greatest ayah in the Quran The Prophet ﷺ described it like that To obey Ibn ka'b that the greatest ayah in the book of Allah is ayatul kursi. And ayatul kursi, all of it is all about Allah's names and Allah's attributes. Who Allah is and who Allah isn't. Allah la ilaha illa huwal hayyul qayyum. It is Allah. There is no God that deserves to be worshipped except Him, Al-Hay, the ever-living Al-Qayyum, the sustainer of all that exists. لَا تَأْخُذُهُ وَلَا نوم, He is not affected by slumber or sleep. لهما فِي السماوات وَمَا في الأرض, Everything in the heavens and the earth belongs to Him. مَن الَّذِي عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا بإذنه. Who is it that can intercede with Him except with His permission? He knows whatever is before them in space and time, and whatever is behind them in space and time. And nobody can encompass even the smallest amount of his knowledge except for whom he wills. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us وَسِعَ كُرْسِيُهُ wal وَالْأَرْضِ His kursi extends over the heavens and the earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us وَلَا يَعُودُهُ حِفْظُهُمَا It is not hard for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to preserve and protect the heavens and the earth and whatever is in them. And Allah told us وَهُوَ الْعَلِيُّ That he is the most high The Highness of Himself in Himself, He is the Most High. In His status, He is the Most High. And in His subjugation of creation, He is the Most High and He is the Most Great. All of this ayah is telling us about Allah. What Allah is and what Allah isn't. And Allah created the heavens and the earth for you to know Him. So now there comes a question. How do we reconcile between this ayah and the ayah in Surah Al-Dhariyat? Because in Surah Al-Dariat Allah tells us that He created us to worship Him. And in Surah al-Talaq that the heavens and the earth and whatever is between them were created to know Him. In reality, both of these two things come back to a tawheed. And that is why the scholars they say tawheed is of two types. For this purpose, some say three and it doesn't matter. But here I'm just gonna mention it as two to make it easy for you. تَوْحِيدُ الْمَعْرِفَةِ وَالْإِثْبَاتِ وَتَوْحِيدُ wal talab. The Tawheed of knowing Allah and affirming who Allah is. And the Tawheed of your intentions and actions. What is the Tawheed of knowing Allah? It is that you know Allah in His Lordship and His names and His attributes and you affirm that no one deserves any of that except Him. And that is the Tawheed which is mentioned in Surah Al-Talaq. And as for the Tawheed which is the Tawheed of action, it is the Tawheed of worshipping Him alone, that you don't worship anyone but Him. And this is the Tawheed which is mentioned in Surah Al-Dhariyat. And both of them come together because neither of them exist without the other, they exist together. When you know who Allah is, and you know what Allah is deserving of, you worship Him alone. Because when you know Allah, you have nothing that you can do after knowing Allah except to worship Him alone. And your worship of Him alone is based upon knowing Him. You can't worship someone that you don't know. For example, if a person were to say, I worship Allah, and you were to say, who is Allah? They say, I don't know, but I heard people saying that they worship Allah, so I said the same thing. You can only worship one that you know. And so your worship of Allah is based upon knowing Him in His Lordship and His names and His attributes. And your knowing of Allah, His Lordship, His names and attributes is what leads you to worship Him alone. And so these two things are both part of the same concept. So if a person was to say, we were created for At-Tawheed, we were created for the oneness of Allah Jal alone, both in knowing and affirming and in acting and worshipping, then this gathers together both of these two ayat and it gives us the purpose in our life. Many people worship Allah upon ignorance. And this is important, Ikhwani, because we're going to talk about what takes a, a person away from this purpose. What takes a person away from the purpose they were created for, in reality, is two things and two things alone. Only two things take you away from the purpose that you were created for. And both of them I've already mentioned in the ayah at the end of Surah Al-Ahzab. إِنَّهُ jahula ظَلُومًا جَهُولًا al-jahal oppressiveness or or oppressive behavior or oppression and ignorance, oppression and ignorance. These two things are the things that take a person away from their purpose. How? There are some people who don't know Allah and so they don't worship Him because of their ignorance. They don't know Allah's rights. They don't know Allah's greatness they don't know Allah's names and attributes, and so they don't worship Him because of their ignorance. Another people know Allah, and they know His names and attributes and actions, and they know what Allah is deserving of, but they don't worship Him because of their oppression. These are the two groups that Allah mentioned in Surah Al-Fatiha, after commanding you to worship him alone. You alone we worship and you alone we ask for help. Guide us to the straight path. The path of those that you bestowed your blessings upon. The path of the prophets and the path of the righteous. The path of those who were the most truthful in their iman and the path of the the But don't put us on the path of those that you are angry with. Why is Allah angry with them? Because they know Allah's right to be worshipped. They know Allah's names and his attributes. They know what Allah has commanded them, but they don't implement what they know. And who are the people who don't know in the first place? They don't know what Allah's rights are, they don't know who Allah is, they don't know Allah's names and attributes and actions, they don't know what Allah is deserving of, so they don't worship Him because they are ignorant. So if we have knowledge of who Allah is, and we know Allah by His names, and His attributes and His actions, we know Allah by what He said about Himself, and what the Prophet sallallahu said about him, if we know Allah by this and then we act upon it by singling out Allah alone for worship and leaving everything that is worship besides him, then this is the sirat al-mustaqim that Allah described in Surah Al-Fatiha with his statement, You alone we worship and you alone we ask for help. Guide us. To the straight path I want to talk to you About one more Ayah The statement of Allah In Surah Al-Mulk Ikhwani We could ask about the mobile phones Because now a few times People's phone went off Just the brothers who are sitting If you can just make sure Your phone's are on silent Wa the one who created death and life, to test which of you are best in deeds. So this appears to be a third purpose. And now this purpose is to be tested. So once again, the ayat of Allah don't contradict each other. These ayat, they have to fit together like a jigsaw puzzle. Each one of them tells us a different piece of the picture. So now Allah says that He created death and life to test which of you are best in deeds. In other words, to test your Tawheed, to test whether you will learn who Allah is and come to know Him, and to test whether you will worship Him based upon that. Because all of the other tests in this life are in reality fariyah. They are subsidiary, they're not the main purpose, they're not the reason that you enter Jannah or Jahannam in of themselves. The reason that you enter Jannah or Jahannam in of itself, the primary reason, is very simple. It is whether you worship Allah alone or whether you make a partner with Him. <laughs> Whoever makes a partner with Allah, Allah made Jannah Haram for them, and their place will be the hellfire, and they will have no helper for the oppressive people. And Allah said, Inna Allah, wa yushrak wa yaghfiru ma duna Allah does not forgive that you make a partner with Him, but He forgives anything less than that for whoever He wills. So the greatest test in this life is a test of whether you will worship Allah Azzawajal alone and with no partner, following the way of the Prophets and the Messengers alayhimus. Because the person who does this, their end place will be Jannah no matter what. Whatever sins they do, whatever punishments they receive, but the person who dies upon Tawheed, that person will not remain in the hellfire forever. Regardless of what they have done If they remained a Muslim Worshipping Allah alone and not making any partner with Him Then this is the greatest And in fact it is the only means for a person To enter Jannah Everything else after that It comes afterwards Even the prayers Even the zakah Even the fasting and the hajj All of them come after the first pillar of Islam, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. The testimony I bear witness there is no God worthy of worship except Allah. And I bear witness that Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah. And that's why the scholars, when they come to explain these pillars, they say these pillars are not equal. Rather, every one of the four remaining pillars stands upon the first. So imagine the first one to be one large pillar, all of the other four stand on top of it. Because there is no salah, and no zakah, and there is no fasting, nor is there any hajj accepted from a person until they bring La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this is our purpose, to know Allah and to worship Allah based upon that knowledge alone and with no partner. That is the purpose for which Allah created us. And we cannot fulfill that purpose, or we cannot implement it without following the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Because there is no way to Allah jalla, except through him. And there is no other path to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala except the path of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. anna hādhā fattabi'u. This is Allah's straight path, so follow it. And don't follow the other paths, because they will take you away from the path of Allah. So the path of Allah is one. Like the Prophet described it, لَيْلُهَا لَا يَزِيغُ عَنْهَا إِلَّا هَالِكِ Its night is like its day, no one deviates from it, except that they are destroyed. So this is Allah's straight path. And this is the purpose for which we have been placed on this earth. And in terms of those people who disregard this purpose, in reality, there are some people who disregard it completely. And I don't believe insha'Allah ta'ala, bi-idhnillah, is anyone in this room nor is there, inshallah, anyone even watching this video who disregards that purpose completely. And he's someone who refuses to worship Allah completely or refuses Islam completely. But the issue here, my brothers, is not just about that. It's about how much we are true to that purpose. Because many of us, we accept it as a general concept. Yes, I agree, I am here to worship Allah alone and not to make any partner with Him, I agree. But there are many, many things that get in the way of that purpose. In terms of, and I'm talking about a Muslim here, I'm talking about a Muslim who their purpose is, it is taken away or that it is reduced because of something or some things in their life and from this is the amazing hadith of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam the hadith of Ka'b ibn Malik radiyallahu an that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam said مَا ذِئْبَانِ min أُرْسِلَ فِي غَنَمٍ بِأَفْسَدَ لَهَا مِنْ حِرْسِ الْمَرْءِ عَلَى الْمَالِ وَالشَّرَفِ وَالشَّرَفِ لِدِينِهِ He said, two hungry wolves sent among a group of sheep are not going to cause more damage to than a person's love of wealth and status will cause to their religion. So there are many people who their love of wealth or their love of status or their desire for this dunya it takes them away from this purpose even if they accept the asat, they accept, yes, I'm a Muslim, I'm here to worship Allah, but in terms of the reality of their life, al-maalu sharaf looking for money, wealth, job, or status, position, family, have taken them away from this purpose. And have caused more damage to their religion than two hungry wolves would cause to a group of sheep. So it's very important not that we ask ourselves only about the asal, the core of this message. But we ask ourselves about the tafaseel, the details of it. How much am I actually fulfilling this purpose that Allah created me for? And how much am I getting distracted by zinatul al dunya? By the decoration and the adornment of this world. We also need to understand that this statement, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it is not an empty set of words. It is something that has conditions to it and it has an explanation to it. It's not something that is just an empty statement that you make. Oh, I've said ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, I'm a Muslim. Rather a person needs to understand really what does this statement mean? When a person says ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa What does this actually entail and what does it require for a person to fulfill it? From the best of what is said about this, is the statement of the poet who gathered all of these together. He said, Very easy to remember. He mentioned seven things, you have to have them to be someone who implements La ilaha illallah. And if you really want to fulfill this purpose in your life, you need to have seven things. He said, So I wanted to take some time to talk to you about these seven things. The first one that you have to have is knowledge. Allah said, Know that there is no God that deserves to be worshipped except Allah. So this statement, La ilaha illallah, you have to know it, you have to know what it means, you have to know what it entails. Too many times it is just kalimatun It's just a word, a person says it. But the person doesn't really understand what they're actually signing up for. That's why many times we see people just go outside. I don't think you even need to leave the street or two streets away. Until you see people who say La ilaha illallah every day, the same amount of times that you say it or more. And yet, the reality of their actions, there is no La ilaha illallah within it at all. The actions are shirkiyat, making a partner with Allah. Worshipping the people in the graves and so on and so forth. And yet the people they say la ilaha illallah as much as you do. We must understand what this word actually means. Because many times if you go to a person and say, what does la ilaha illallah mean? The person will say, it means la khaliqa illallah, wala raziqa illallah, wala mudabbira illallah. It means there is no creator except Allah and no provider except Allah, and there is no one who controls the universe except Allah. But this is not what makes a person a Muslim. Yes, this is a part of Tawheed, it's part of the oneness of Allah, it's part of knowing Allah, but it's not what makes you a Muslim, because Quraysh didn't deny this. If you ask them who created the heavens and the earth, they will say it was Allah. They didn't deny this. But what makes you a Muslim is dedicating your worship to Allah alone. And that's why they said, أَجَعَلَ Has he made all of these different objects of worship into one object of worship? This is something strange. So, the problem that Quraysh had was not that Allah was their creator or that Allah was their sustainer or that Allah controlled the universe, but their problem was dedicating worship to Him alone. So, you need to understand this. The second thing you need to have is al yaqeen, certainty. Allah said, The believers are only those who believe in Allah and His Messenger, and then they do not doubt. So having certainty that Allah alone is deserving of worship, having certainty in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His existence. His lordship his names his attributes his right to be worshipped this is very important and in this day and in this age there are many things that cause people doubt and uncertainty many things from the greatest of which is turning away from the Quran and the Sunnah and taking your knowledge from elsewhere because when people turn away from the Quran and the Sunnah and they take that knowledge from elsewhere Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala puts in their heart shukuk doubts And Allah puts in their heart shubuhat, confusion and misconceptions. So we see a lot of young people today taking their knowledge from random videos on YouTube, listening to different preachers, even from different religions. Different preachers, different debates, hearing different perspectives, even the schools and universities encouraging people to take you need to understand the argument from every side. And things like that, and it causes people shukuk, it causes them doubts, and it causes them shubuhat, confusion. Rather, when you take your knowledge from the Qur'an and the Sunnah, this is what gives you yaqeen. Because if this Qur'an was from other than Allah, لَوَجَدُوا فِيهِ اخْتِلَافًا كَثِيرًا they would have found in it a lot of ikhtilaf. So the nature is that everything that comes from other than Allah is full of ikhtilafat, shak, is from doubts, confusion, shubuhat, misconceptions, because it doesn't come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As for what comes from Allah Jalla, the Qur'an, and the sunnah that he revealed to the Prophet, وسلم, he doesn't speak from his own desires, it is only a revelation that is revealed. So, this it has no doubt in it. This is the book that has no doubt in it. It is a guidance for the people of Taqwa. So, when we take our knowledge from the Quran and the Sunnah, this is what gives a person certainty. And this is what makes a person certain. So if a non-Muslim were to ask the question, how can I be certain, Muhammad Tim, of what you have told me today? How can I be certain, you're telling me my purpose is to worship Allah Azza wa Jal. You're telling me that my purpose is to follow the messenger. And that's the only way that I can fulfill the purpose of worshiping Allah. But I don't know, how can I be certain? The answer is to go back to the Quran and the Sunnah. And if a person was to go back to the Qur'an and to read the Qur'an and to investigate and to explore what the Qur'an tells them, this will give them certainty. Yes, Allah has given you a fitrah, Allah has given you a natural inclination. The Prophet said, <laughs> there is no child except that they are born with a natural inclination, a natural disposition to worship Allah alone. But it's their parent who turns them into a Jew, or a Christian, or from the Majus, the Magians. So we understood that yes, you have a natural inclination, you have your heart inclines to the worship of Allah, but now you need evidence, you need delil, this religion is not based upon People's desires. <coughs> Have you seen the one who took his God as his desires? This religion is not based upon desire. This religion is based upon evidence. And the evidence for this religion is Allah said, and Allah's Messenger said. That is what gives a person certainty and gives a person yaqeen. The third condition Al-Kabul Al-Kabul For a person to accept This statement and to accept what it entails The statement of Allah Azza wa Jal Inna hum canu ida keelala hum la ilaha illallahu yastakbirun Wayakuluna a inna latariku alihatilalisha ill in majnun When it was said to them, La ilaha illallah, they became arrogant. So now they understood it. Don't tell me the issue is they didn't have understanding. They understood it. But what happened? They became arrogant. They didn't accept it. They didn't accept this statement. Instead, they rejected it. They said, we don't want to be a part of it. They understood it. They understood the truth of it. But they didn't want to be a part of it. Allah Azzawajal requires us to accept the consequences of this statement, to accept what this statement brings with it. For example, we said that this statement, La ilaha illallah, that represents the purpose of a person on this earth to worship Allah alone, it means that there is nothing that deserves worship except Allah. And we understood that we have to accept that. That means we have to leave all the things that are worshipped besides Allah. We have to leave every kind of shirk. Whether it is akbar or asghar Whether it is major shirk or the lesser type. We must leave all of it because that is what this word entails. This sentence has a... It has some rules in it, it has some consequences. We have to accept those consequences to our life, which means that I will not make dua to anyone besides Allah. The masajid belong to Allah, so don't make dua to anyone else besides Allah. It means that my hope is in Allah alone. My fear is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. The love that you have that is for Allah Azza wa Jal, it's for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. These are consequences of this statement, La ilaha illallah. The fourth is Al-Inqiyad. And this means that a person submits to Allah in Islam. How many people is it that they might say, you know what it is, this sounds nice. You know, La ilaha illallah, I like it, it sounds nice. I'm gonna use this in my life, I'm gonna live by this statement. But you can't live with this statement until you submit to Allah in Islam. Turn in repentance to your Lord and submit to Him in Islam. And the statement of Allah ilallah wahua mussin Whoever submits their face to Allah while doing good it is they who have grasped al-urwatul wuthqa what is al-urwatul wuthqa la ilaha illallah so Allah describes that the person who got hold of la ilaha illallah is the one who submits to Allah in Islam inna dinana indallahi al-islam the only religion in the sight of Allah is Islam as for the word islam and this is very important. The word Islam it means submission. Many people said it means peace, but it doesn't mean peace. It means submission, like the statement of Allah Azza wa Jalla: "Wama kana li mu'mineen, wala mu'minatin ida qadala Allahu wa Rasuluhu amra an yakuun lahum alkhira min amrihim." it is not for a believing man, or a believing woman, if Allah and his messenger decide a matter, that they should have any choice at all. Too many times we want choice. But I don't think, I don't think this is good. I don't believe in this part. I don't think this is fair. I don't think this is just. I think this is too much for the olden times. We hear statements like this. The person who says this hasn't entered into La ilaha illallah because they haven't agreed to submit themselves to Allah and Islam. And as I said to you, sometimes we understand the wisdom behind something and sometimes we don't. Sometimes you may see a law or a rule or a regulation, you personally may not understand the wisdom or all of the wisdom behind it. But your job is Al-Islam to submit yourself to Allah Ala man to recognize that the one who created you knows best. And the only religion in the sight of Allah is Islam. Allah will not accept any other religion no matter whether they say they are or whether they say they worship Allah alone or they say they don't worship Allah alone. Islam the only religion Allah is going to accept is Islam. So we need to understand that we must submit ourselves to Allah and we must make our desires in line with what Allah legislated and we must be a people that when Allah commands us to do something, we do our best to do it, even though all of us fall short and when we fall short, we return to Allah in repentance. But there's a point here I wanted to highlight And I feel it's very important and relevant I was talking to a young person Yesterday Or maybe the day before I think yesterday And we were talking about some of the pressures in school And the person was talking about The pressures that young kids are under today To accept certain ideologies The alphabet soup LGBTQA, BDC FD, Whatever all the letters they added on by now all of these letters, there's something I want to highlight here that is khatir jiddan, it's very very scary, it's very very scary, and that is a person may commit a sin knowing that sin is wrong and Allah may forgive them completely, but a person who challenges the religion with regard to what is right and wrong. So the person says, I don't think that there's anything wrong with it, that person is kafirun murtad, a disbeliever and an apostate, even if they don't do the sin themselves. So istihlal, declaring haram to be permissible, is worse than doing haram. And this is why I'm scared for the kids. I'm not scared about our kids becoming one of these alphabets. Letters. But what I'm scared of is that the school push this into their head so much that they start to believe there's nothing wrong with it. And that is worse in the sight of Allah than doing it in the first place. Wallahi, a person could be one of these people and recognize that it's wrong, and that person could be someone that Allah forgives. But the person who says there's nothing wrong with what Allah made haram is kafir, disbeliever, even if they never do that sin in their whole life. So let's imagine two people, one person drinks alcohol every day, and they say, I believe this is haram, perhaps Allah will forgive them and not punish them in anything, and perhaps Allah will punish them, and then enter them into Jannah. Another person never drank alcohol in their life, not once, but they say, I don't see anything wrong with it. They are in Jahannam khali fiha. they will never come out of it, because they declared halal what Allah Jalla declared to be haram Even if they never did it So be careful about this when it comes to The issue of imqiyad, submitting to Allah That is not about what you do But also about what you believe to be right and wrong The fifth condition is as-sidq Truthfulness That a person must be truthful about what they say And the reality of as-sidq you might ask this word Siddiq, have you ever thought about this word Siddiq? We say for Abu Bakr, right? Abu Bakr is Siddiq radiallahu What does the word Siddiq really mean? It means that your inner self matches your outer self. That's the reality of it. It means that your inner self matches your outer self. And so in reality, Nifaq or hypocrisy Is a part of lying because it's something where a person's inner self and outer self don't match. So the more a person's inner self and outer self match, the more truthful they become. And the Prophet told us that a person will not cease to be truthful and keep on trying to be truthful. Until Allah Azza wa will write this person as a Siddiq because they love the truth and they try for the truth and they try never ever to lie and they try to keep their inner self and outer self the same and so Allah writes them as a Siddiq and a person will not cease to lie and continue to lie until this person will be written in the sight of Allah as a kaddab, as an extreme liar so it's very important that our inner self matches our outer self and the statement of Allah is وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولُ بِاللَّهِ وَبِالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَمَا هُم بِمُؤْمِنِينَ. There are some people who say we believe in Allah and the last day, but they are not believers. The sixth condition is al-ikhlas, sincerity. And that is that a person intends by all of this, Nothing other than the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah said, they were not commanded except that they worship Allah making the religion sincerely for Him alone as monotheists. So we were commanded to be sincere. And there are many things that take away from a person's sincerity If we talk about people entering into Islam for the first time Some people enter into Islam because of marriage Because of their personal circumstances Maybe for some of them because of zakah Or because of various other reasons why people might enter into Islam What do you say to those people? Do we say to them they have to leave Islam and come back again? No, we say make your religion sincere Change your intention. Make it for Allah Azza wa alone and with no partner. But there are many ways that even people who are established in Islam can lose their ikhlas. Because your issue of your niyah is very hard. That's why Sufyan al-Thawri, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, Ma shay min alay. I never wrestled with anything harder than my intention because it turns on me. One minute you're doing something for Allah, and the next minute, it goes away. So you must wrestle with your intention, and you must keep on fighting, and keep on looking at yourself, and asking yourself, why are you doing what you're doing? And make sure that this la ilaha illallah, this dedication to worship Allah, it's not so that your parents will be pleased with you, it's not so that the community thinks good of you, it's not so that people will say that he's an abid, he's a worshipper, but it is for Allah Azza wa alone. And that's why one of the first of the people to be thrown into the fire Yom qiyamah is a person who it was said he is a alim or a qari. And he will be asked, "What did you do with your life?" And he will say, qara'tu tufik al Quran." I recited the Quran for you, O Allah. And Allah will say to him, "Kadabta you lied, but you did it liyukala qari." So that people would say you're a qari, or you did learn this knowledge so that people would say that you're an alim wa and it was said. Then Allah will command for that person to be wrapped in chains and thrown into the fire. Because they didn't do it for Allah Azza wa Jal alone. So you must ask Allah always for sincerity and you must be so careful to keep everything that you do in this purpose in your life sincerely for Allah Azza wa Jal alone. And the best way to do this, alam, in my view, is to do as much as you can in private. Now there are some things you can't do in private, like you can't pray the jama'ah in private. You have to come to the masjid and pray with the jama'ah. But whatever deeds you can conceal and whatever you can do in private, and however much you can try to raise your standards in private, like you would wish to raise them in public, the closer you will be towards ikhlas and sincerity. The seventh and final condition of La ilaha illallah is al-mahabbah. The statement of Allah عز جل, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ Among men are those people who took rivals besides Allah They love them like they love Allah or they love them like the believers love Allah Two ways you can understand that ayah but those who believe love Allah more than the disbelievers love Allah and they love Allah more than the disbelievers love their idols. Loving Allah is one of the most fundamental parts of La ilaha illallah. The Prophet said, if I'm not mistaken the hadith, is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr He said إِنَّ أَوْثَقَ al الْإِيمَانِ أَنْ تُحِبَّ فِي الله the strongest of the handholds of Iman is that you love for Allah and hate for Allah. Loving for Allah means loving Allah with the love that is only for Him. And it means loving all those who Allah loves. So loving the Messenger وسلم, and loving the Sahaba, عنهم, loving those that Allah loves, and loving the deeds and the actions which are beloved to Allah. And it means hating all those that Allah hates. And disassociating yourself from them, you are not connected to them and they are not connected to you. This is absolutely essential. And it's essential that we bring both parts of it, loving for Allah and hating for Allah. That means the scale that by which we judge what we love is what Allah loves and the scale by which we judge what we hate is what Allah Jalla hates and we don't let our personal feelings involve in that religious aspect yes we have personal preferences I might love a certain food and hate a certain food that's a matter of personal preference but when it comes to religious love I love what Allah loves and when it comes to religious hatred I hate what Allah Jalla hates that is an essential part of la ilaha illallah and my dear brothers as we draw this uh, talk to applause for the next couple of minutes inshallah it is really important to understand that this, the people today, the enemies of Islam today, are waging war against you in this aspect and wallahi it's a war that is not even hidden it is in front of your eyes wherever you go that they want you to love those things and those people that Allah hates and they want you to hate those people that Allah جل, and those things that Allah loves. So it's extremely important that we hold on to this concept of wal Walbara, loving what Allah loves and hating what Allah hates. This is something that Allah told us in the Quran with regard to, for example, Ibrahim with what he said to his people. This is essential, wallahi, that we understand this. Allah told us with regard to Ibrahim what he said to his people. They said to him, him, we have nothing to do, we have nothing to do with you. They said, we have nothing to do with you. Enmity and hatred has appeared between us and you until you worship Allah alone. This statement, or until you believe in Allah alone, this statement is absolutely essential that we understand it. And we understand that we have to have our allegiance and love and our connection to be for Allah Azza wa Jal and to be for the Messenger Sallallahu and to be for the Muslims. And that we have to cut off and disassociate ourselves from the things which oppose that. We have to cut ourselves off from and disassociate ourselves from the things which oppose that. As Allah said, Allah Azza wa Jalla. He said, Whoever shows allegiance to Allah and His Messenger. And the believers, it is the party of Allah who will be victorious. Showing your allegiance and your love for Allah Azza wa Jal and for the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. I want to just briefly touch upon the conditions of Muhammad Rasulullah for the next one minute, inshaAllah ta'ala. Uh, just to conclude our speech that we had, you know, that we have brought everything, inshallah ta'ala, that we need to, uh, that we needed to discuss, inshallah. So the conditions of Muhammad rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we said this is the only way to achieve your purpose, is by following the Messenger of is three conditions. Ta'atuhu That you obey Allah in what He commanded you to do, you obey the Messenger in what He commanded you to do, you believe in what He told you about, and you only worship Allah the way that He showed you. You believe in what He told you about, so He told you about Jannah, He told you about Jahannam, He told you about the future, He told you about that what happens after death, he told you about the angels, you believe in what he told you about. And you obey him in what he commanded you to do. Because obedience to the Messenger SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam, Whoever obeys the Messenger has certainly obeyed Allah. And you only worship Allah the way that he showed you. You only worship Allah the way that he showed you. I think that's a good place for us to pause and stop. We're not stopped for tonight because we do have a QA and a session inshallah ta'ala. Uh, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna broadcast it separately instead of leaving the live stream on. So we'll stop the live stream at this point inshallah, and what we will do is the Q&A session will be uh, after Salat al-Isha, which is what time? 9.15. 9.15, okay, so after that. So maybe 9.30 or something like that, we will start the Q&A session. That's what Allah made easy for me to mention and Allah knows best. والصلاة والسلام على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمع